Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. It's good to be with you this morning. Good to be here. Uh, All the dads, yo, happy Father's Day to you. Um, And all of the dad figures, happy Father's Day to you too. Uh, Yes, I, I feel like we as a church, we sometimes silently acknowledge that what it is to be walking in faith with Christ a little bit longer puts you in a position to be a spiritual mother or father for other people. So we kind of silently acknowledge that. But I don't think that the world does a good enough job of acknowledging as a whole. We don't, in our culture, talk about what it is to be walking through life a bit longer and be a father-like figure to younger people at our jobs right? Younger people in our communities. And so, father-like figures, uh, thank you for the ways in which you too are engaged in the world. Uh, here, so those of you who are new here, or this is your first time here, my name is Chase. I get to serve here as the lead pastor. Welcome. Yep. Look, <laughs> we are uh, in a season of kind of rebuilding momentum and community. We're going to actually, over the summer, uh, kind of talk a little bit about, uh, we're going to like do a family meeting and that kind of stuff, talk about really the fall, because really we're looking forward to kind of relaunching post-pandemic in the fall. Uh, And so uh, things feel different than they were two years ago. Um, And that's that's a part of what this is, right? Like, so all of kind of our sub-ministries, and we'll be talking about that again at that family meeting, which will get a date to everybody soon, but just kind of know that this is a part of that time where we are build, rebuilding community, rebuilding momentum, and it reminds me a whole lot of when we planted Unison, like getting together and everything being like, ambiguous. <laughs> like, uh, what are we doing today? I don't know. We're going to just follow the Spirit and be together. <laughs> so that's kind of what it feels like, yes. Uh, but that's a part of what it is to be family, too. Like, you know, like when you first move into, some of you, you know, if you've been married and you, ha- and you are living with someone or you have children and you move into a new house and you kind of have to figure out how to do life in that new space, right? <laughs> it's, that's what it kind of is. Or when you, especially for those of us who have children and they start a new school and their schedule is different and everything feels like, ah. Uh, what are we doing today? I don't know. Check the calendar. That's kind of where we are. So if you feel that, good. You should feel that. <laughs> you should feel like stuff isn't together because it's not. Um, and that's a part of what it is to be family. And I'm grateful that you are here for the journey. We are starting a new sermon series next week called You Asked For It. 
and this is season four of You Asked For It, which is, okay, so we like to celebrate, but a part of why we're celebrating that is it's a time where from the congregation, from the family as a whole, we get suggestions for sermon topics. It's going to be a six-week sermon series. Uh, We're talking about speaking in tongues. We're talking about what it is to be, um, uh, to have integrity and how it is to honor God in a world that is kind of compromised, talking about how to navigate stuff with, um, honestly, the LGBTQ community. People have, have offered so many different suggestions, which I think is really, really good. Um, and so we'll be kind of tackling those over the next six weeks. And um, so hopefully you'll be here or you can also catch it online. And, um, and then also, too, you can listen afterwards on the podcast. But that starts next week. You ask for it, season four. Today, standalone sermon. Um, it's a tradition around uh, unison that every Mother's Day and Father's Day, uh, we don't just talk to the dads on Father's Day. We don't just talk to the moms on Mother's Day. But we talk to the men in general us men in general on Father's Day. That women doesn't mean that like this isn't like for you. Trust me, there's something you're going to be able to get out of here too. But this is a day where we get to uniquely focus on us men humans. Uh, So the title of the sermon is Male Privilege, not what you think. (laughs) I started off saying this is a day where we get to uniquely focus on male humans, but the truth is that's pretty common for you. (laughs) Most days we're actually focused on male humans. It just is what it is. That's the world we live in. None of us started that. That just is what it is. And I know that, like, the word privilege right now comes with a whole bunch of baggage, and it's weird, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but we'll be in Matthew and in 1 Peter. Before we actually dive into it, I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you for your word, because it's in your word that we see your values. We can grab a hold of what it is that you desire for humanity, you desire for creation, and we can live that out and represent you well. Ultimately, God, when we go into your scripture, it's about finding you. And so may our hearts be aligned with you on this morning, and may we find you, God, as we seek you as a family, and as we go together to live out what it is to represent you well in the earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so I want you to see this picture. Um, there are all kinds of social privilege. All kinds of social privilege. The, there are so many ways also, too, that we begin to understand or try to unpack what social privilege is. I'm telling you now, this is not a sermon about how you got it easy, guys. That's not what it is. This is also not a sermon about like saying like we've got to acknowledge and we got to do we got to do better. Nope. But we do have to actually have a foundational understanding of what it is to have social privilege. Period. 
So I have an arrow pointing to this backpack because if you've been in any diversity training ever in your life, they talk about privilege as having this tool in your backpack, right? So you get to walk around and like, so let's say you're hiking and in your backpack you have all the tools that you will need to function while you are in the woods. Well, there's a reality that not everybody has all the tools they need to be able to function in the woods. And the truth of what we experience here on this planet is men are born with some tools in their backpack for navigating the world in a way that makes it a bit smoother than women. Why is that? There's a whole lot of reasons why that could be, right? We're talking about anthropology at this point, the study of humans and cultures, and we're not going to dive deep into that because that's not really what this sermon is about. But let's talk about what makes that possible. What makes that possible is bias. So we have a set of values or cultural beliefs that make it so that we have a bias toward men. Historically, the strength that men have in comparison or contrast to women made it so that men would work and women would not outside of the house. Men would hunt and go and do stuff outside and they would tire themselves out and come home and expect that there's some food that is going to re-energize them. That cultural need then, still exist in terms of our beliefs. We, and the way I say, the reason why I say that is because even though we're not out hunting and or gathering, (laughs) we still believe that men are the ones to go out and work and provide for their families. Like we even, like there's People who preach about that, like that's a responsibility of a man is to go out and provide and make sure that your family has all that they need. Not here to debate or process that. It's a belief that we have. It's a belief that we have even to the point where where people say, ideally, it would be nice if one person in your home, like if you have a two-parent home, if one parent in your home could stay home and the other parent can go work, we immediately imagine that being a woman staying at home and a guy going out to work. Not because that's how that is supposed to work, or that's because it's just what we imagine because it's a part of our cultural belief that has created bias. And it also shows up in how we pay men and women. We expect, we don't even say this out loud, but because we have a cultural belief that is the male's responsibility to bring in money, we make sure that we compensate them for their work a bit more than we do women. Now, I'm not debating whether or not it's right or wrong. I'm not here for that conversation. You can ask me later what I feel about it. But I'm saying that because... That's a part of what we're talking about when we talk about male privilege. It's not just that men have it easy because the world likes men better. It's because we have a cultural bias, not just men, all of us humans, have a cultural bias that actually makes decisions for us. And that makes it so that men get to walk through this journey with 
more tools in their backpack. It just is what it is. So, that's a space that we hold in tension, especially as our world is shifting and our economy changes and our social and cultural dynamics evolve because that's all that humans know how to do is evolve socially. That's what we do. We do it really well. So we hold that intention, but something that also comes along with privilege is unearned influence. And I'm not saying that that's undeserved influence. I'm just saying it's unearned. Why do I say that? If, let's just say someone dressed like my, my mother used to say, dress to the nines, right? <laughs> they, they come in, they're like head to toe looking just, they got all of the stuff that you would imagine that is someone wealthy coming in. Your name brand of choice, they walk in the room and immediately they capture the attention of the room. That is the privilege of wealth giving them unearned influence. It do, now, here's the thing. That person could actually be well-educated. That person could be the kindest, most humble human being. That person can love Jesus and love you. That person can, like, yo, hey, you, got, you need something? Here, I got you. That would be them earning the influence. That's okay. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying they're earning love. They're just earning influence, and that's normal. But we as humans have a bias that shows up inside of us that actually makes it common for us to give away influence to people, and it's not earned. I experienced that as a man. I experienced that as an adult. I walk into a room of kids, and I immediately have influence, and it doesn't even matter how nice I am. That just is what it is. I love kids. <laughs> Okay. So this is not about undeserved, but it is unearned influence. That is the unique thing about privilege that we oftentimes don't talk about. Males have influence that, deserved or not, doesn't matter. It's unearned. That's why old school... Um, Sitcoms, when the kid gets in trouble, you wait till your father gets home. <laughs> this is male influence. That's all it is. That's why, like, literally, like, there are times where my wife, Christine, can say stuff, and then I'll literally, I'll say the exact same thing, and then all of a sudden the kids, like, they start doing it. It's not because they disrespect their mom. It's just we have created an environment where males have influence. It just is what it is. I'm intentionally painting that picture, not so that you women feel bad, because that's not the point. It's so that us men understand what this is. It's all, it's, we just have to understand what it is, because this isn't actually a conversation about whether it's good or bad. We're just going to talk about the fact that it is. Some folks like it at 85 degrees. Some folks don't. Not good or bad, it just is. <laughs> okay? So, let's get into Matthew 
Because when we talk about this influence, Jesus actually has something to say about influence that applies to us all. But we're going to think about it specifically through this male privilege lens for a second. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Salt is an influential mineral. You can't have anything around salt and it not be salty, right? The thing, as soon as you, the salt touches something, something else is supposed to happen. There are actual chemical things that happen when sodium comes in contact with other things. It just is. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. So this is, of course, just a metaphor, just an allegory. But if we really think about what that is, I'm not changing Scripture, just talking about what we're actually talking about here. You have influence, men. But what good is your influence (laughs) if you've lost it? Can you regain your influence? He he says another metaphor. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that, that cannot be hidden. That city didn't earn its attention. It's just got a light. (laughs) It's just a light. That's it. The light's not working. It's not calling people like, hey, y'all, I got this such and such degree. Pay attention to me. It's just sitting there on a hill. It can't be hidden. Men, you can't be hidden. That's just not how it works. That's what influence is. You walk into a room and people notice. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You have influence. Let's be real. Some of you deserve the influence you have. Some of us deserve the influence we have by how we have loved God and loved others. But whether or not we deserve it, we have it. And it's not for us to ignore the fact that we have it. It's not for us to pretend it's not there. And even though our society is evolving, we still have a bias toward males, which means we still have influence as men. A hundred years from now, that may not be the case, but today, 2021, it is. Whether you want it or not, men, we have influence. And so We also have a privilege that comes along with that, but no privilege exists without responsibility. Now, we may not actually take responsibility, but when when those who have privilege shirk responsibility, the world is pained. 
right? It's, Paul s- says it this way, creation is groaning in anticipation of the true children of God to be revealed. Creation feels the weight of humanity not carrying our responsibility of stewarding God's likeness well. Children feel the pain of when we as men shirk our responsibility of influence. We can't get away from it. It's a part of what it is to have privilege. You can want to get away from it. You can, we can run as much as we want, but that doesn't take away the fact that we have influence. When men walk into a room, the room changes, and that's not because of anything that we have to say or do. It just is. We set it up that way. Humans set it up that way. And so, the privilege that comes along with the fact that the room changes when I walk in comes with some responsibility too. And when I don't actually walk in that responsibility, everyone in the room feels the pain. As a side note, just because it is who we are, the sermon isn't about white privilege. But let's be real about what that means. When our white sisters and brothers do not take the responsibility that comes along with the cultural privilege that is white privilege, the world feels it. It, it. That's just how privilege works. That's how influence works. And I know we got to figure out how to navigate all of that as humans. Right? We have to figure out how to navigate it. And that's okay. But we're family, so we can talk about stuff we ain't figured out yet. <laughs> that's what that is. That's what it is. Just because we haven't figured it out yet doesn't mean we can't say it. We got to figure out how to navigate male privilege too. We don't know how to do that in a world that keeps actually trying to silence men post Me Too. But men still have influence. Men still are most of the CEOs in the United States. Men still own most of the companies here. Men still own most of the sports teams and most of the entertainment companies and most of the banks. And men still are in most of the seats in Congress. And men still are most of the dot, dot, dot. We have a responsibility that comes along with that. And when we don't walk in it, The world feels that. Peter said something that was pretty controversial at the time. He starts off in chapter 3 of 1 Peter talking to wives, and he's saying to wives to submit to the authority of husbands, which is not controversial at all when Peter was talking. But this part actually is. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she, as, she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. That was controversial. Peter was like shaking some stuff up. <laughs> he was pointing to the responsibility that we have. 
He was pointing to the fact that there's a world around you that is, has your whole life taught you to diminish and devalue women, but that is not so in the kingdom of God. And those of us who are united with Christ, are our wives are equal with us. Thus, your responsibility is to honor your wife. A quick little easy definition that I use with even in our house when talking about the difference between respect and honor. Respect is what I don't do to show you that I love you. I respect your property so I won't vandalize it. (laughs) Honor is what I do to show you that I love you and I value you. So, Men, we can't just avoid stuff and say, like, look, I didn't argue with her today. I'm good. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> that's not how that works. To honor means I have some intentional steps that I do to make sure that the, my wife knows that I care about and value not just the things she does in this house, but her, the part of God that she represents in our house. That's culturally controversial. Peter is saying that your women aren't property. You don't get to just pretend that they're just like older sisters. They're not a slave with benefits. And the reason why he doesn't say, women, claim your honor and don't let them men trample all over you, is because the responsibility falls on the individual with the privilege, not the person being oppressed. It's not the responsibility of women to keep telling us that we have to give them their due. It's our responsibility as men because we are the ones that have the privilege. We're the ones that have the ability. This is, a, this is a tough and sticky little moment, okay? So some of y'all, like, this is weird. I was in a training with uh, Robin D'Angelo, and she writes books um, about racial reconciliation, uh, but she spent some time talking about male privilege, and, uh, and she said to, she said, and she made us all answer, who gave women the right to vote? I was like, I'm just going to sit here quiet real quick. <laughs> I didn't say that. I got women flanking me at this point. She was like, you have to say it. Men? <laughs> oh, doesn't it feel so nasty to just like, to know that truth? And then she took it a step further. And who could take it away? And Most of us said, no one. She was like, that's not true, and you know it. We still live in a world where men have influence, and that influence trumps all other influence socially as it relates to genders. It just does. And it is our responsibility, our God-given responsibility, to not lord that, but to share it. James 
chapter 1. Oh, sorry, hold on. Yep, James, uh, go to James chapter 1 for me. Yeah. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Go to that slide right before this one for me. The world needs Holy Spirit-filled men. You just do. We need you not to pretend that because the world around us is saying that we have to silence the voices of men and, the, and down with the patriarchy, that I just have to now go in hiding no, it's the exact opposite. It's we step in and we don't lord over the world with our privilege and, risk and, and influence. We do the exact opposite. We share that which has been given to us that we didn't earn. I didn't earn this influence just because I'm a male. So I get to share it. It was freely given to me and I freely give it as well. That's something that the Holy Spirit does in us. That's not something you can just learn in school. And it doesn't matter how many marches and how many things, how many books we read. Men, we have got to allow the Holy Spirit to shift and change us to the point where it says, I want to share this influence. I want the children around me to know that they are valuable. So, not only am I willing at the barbecue to eat after the kids, but I'm also willing to stoop down real quick and ask them, what vegetables do you want? Notice I said vegetables. Y'all kids ain't getting away from eating vegetables. <laughs> Look, use the influence, right? <laughs> I'd ask you what cookies you want. I said, what vegetables? <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit that works inside of me in such a way that when the women that I work with are being overlooked for promotions, I'm the one that goes to the supervisor and says, like, hey, Kathy has been here for 30 years and I have been here only 15, and I've seen two dudes get promoted over her. Help me understand that logic. That's who we are. That's who we are as men of God. It's not just that we know how to preach well. It's not just that we can be the best deacon on the block. It's not just that we can play basketball with the youth. Who we are is we act like Jesus. Why would I say that? Jesus, the being with the most influence, stepped into our plight, stepped into our oppression, did not just sit in heaven on a throne and say, y'all figure that out. Or just keep working hard enough and you'll be able to earn salvation. No, stepped in and said, ah, this is the privilege that I have. And the responsibility that I have is to make sure that the creator's beings 
have relationship with the Creator. That's who we are, men. That's what we do. And when we don't do it, the world hurts. When we don't do it, the world is in pain. That's really what that James scripture is about. I didn't have that one in my notes, but I had it on the slide. Go to that James scripture for me again. We talk about our relationship with the Lord, and we think it has to do with how many scriptures that we memorize or how, if I, if I got the whole hymnal memorized front to back, how many times I show up on Sunday, but that's not it. It's that we care for orphans and widows. In our cultural context, that may not mean much because widows, well, don't they get the inheritance? What they need me for? <laughs> no. Let's, talk, let's go back real quick. What James is talking to a culture where widows are dependent upon their children and the community. If they don't have male children, they are at risk financially, physically. They're at risk because they don't have the ability to own anything. So when James is saying that your religion is not based on how often you show up at the temple, but it's based on how you care for individuals who don't have the ability to do that on their own, orphans, widows. That's how we utilize our influence. Men, this is who we are. It's all through Scripture. It's all through the Bible. This is what we do. Yes, we're stronger. But that strength isn't so that we can make people, other people feel weak. That strength is so that we can lift the burdens of other people. James encourages us with that, but then also says to not be corrupted by the world. And I know that we've talked about that, like, you know, you've heard in sermons, like, yep, and don't you be out there playing cards. <laughs> some, look, some of y'all old enough where that's some, they told you that when you were in middle school, don't you be out there playing cards. Don't be corrupted by the world. <laughs> that's not what James is talking about. <laughs> He's not talking about playing cards or any other societal thing that up you know, gets the, the church upset. What he's talking about is us being poisoned with selfishness to the point where I'm unable, not just unwilling, unable to see widows and orphans. I'm unable to see those around me. So men, we need one to be filled by the Spirit enough to our lives are transformed but also, this is who we are. We are influential beings. Whether we want it or not doesn't matter at this point. It just doesn't. There's some things that I don't want in life. I don't want every time a person finds out that I'm a pastor, that they, their voice changes. Right. Oh, a pastor. 
Like the moment, like this time, like especially when I, early in ministry, I didn't tell people I was a pastor because I just didn't want that. Like, you know, they were having a real conversation with me, and we were talking about life, and then all of a sudden, only thing they talk about is tithe. Like, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I can't get away from the influence of what it is to be a pastor. So you just have to learn to live with what that is. Men, I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter how much of a feminist you are, you can't get rid of being, uh, having male privilege. You can't. So don't try to. Don't try to. Don't silence it. Use it for the glory of God. Let your light so shine. Even the ones that you don't want to shine, <laughs> let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what Jesus was talking about, us being influential. So things that we should reflect on, how am I using my influence to direct others to God? Men, that's us. That applies to everybody, right? Truly, that does apply to everybody. Because one of the things that we don't talk about when we talk about privilege is everybody has some social privilege and power. It's true, right? That just is what it is. Like, like there's, a, there's, a great, um, <laughs> there's a great quote from my big fat Greek wedding. I can't remember the mom's name at all. But she said, like, your father may be the head of the house, but I'm the neck. <laughs> I was like, ooh, get him, mama. No. <laughs> Everybody has social influence. But men, specifically, how are you using your influence to direct people to God? You may have a moment of conviction, not condemnation, but conviction right now and say, I'm not. <laughs> don't let that turn you away. and Don't let that turn you off. Don't let that condemn you. Let that conviction stir inside of you. And the next question I would ask if I were in your shoes is, God, how can I use my influence to direct people to you? Start, if you are a dad, Start with your home. There's, no, there's nothing mystical about that. It's just the easiest way to practice, right? It just is. Like I tell, I, like when we've, anytime we've had pastoral interns or people developing in ministry, I say to them, like if they're going to be preaching, like if your household can't see you as a preacher, you ain't one. <laughs> it just is what it is. If they're not asking you about the Bible, then you ain't got nothing to offer anybody else. <laughs> And that's not a judgment. It just is our house is the first place we practice everything in life. So start with your house. If you're not married, start with your close friends. That may make you uncomfortable and vulnerable. Come on into manhood because that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> that's, that's what we do as men. Is we, oh, Okay. Oh, man. See, listen, I got to make sure I got to finish because I got to get home to my own family. Look. <laughs> but I, for a long time, couldn't figure out, like, what was, especially when I was younger, like, what's the point of men, like, proposing? 
marriage. Like, what's the point? Like, you're just asking somebody to marry you. Don't she want to marry me too? Like, <laughs> the more I processed that influence as a man, the more I saw the value of being vulnerable first. Right? Like, I invite, I invited this friend woman of mine into a relationship that was more than a friend because I put myself in a vulnerable place before I expected her to. Because trust me, if you dating me, that's a vulnerable place. <laughs> I'm, I'm wild out here. <laughs> like, when I asked Christine to marry me, I put myself in a vulnerable position before I asked her to be vulnerable with me. Because that's what we as men do. That's why it feels weird to us on social media when we, don't, when we see it the other way around. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> not because women can't ask men to marry them. Look, that's not a thing. You can. But there is a uniqueness about the influence of a man that says, if I'm willing to put myself vulnerable, put myself in a vulnerable position first, well, then that also means I'm willing to shepherd you through vulnerable moments that we will have together. How am I using my influence to direct others to God, even when it makes me vulnerable? And don't throw away your male privilege. Surrender it. Let's say that again. Don't throw away your privilege. Surrender it. What's the difference? Throwing it away be, pretends that it's no, like, I don't have it. I don't have it anymore. I don't want it. I'm pushing it to the side because it no longer has value, and that's just not true. I don't care what happens to our world. Your influence will always have value. It will. Your influence, men, will always have value. And whether or not we believe we were created with unique authority or not doesn't matter. The world gave it to us. So, use it to glorify God. That, and that way it must be surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. So, Father, I surrender. It sounds weird. Like, I've surrendered my male privilege. <laughs> not because it's bad. This isn't like surrendering some sin you have. It's like surrendering something good you have. Like a lamb that you love and that you cherish and that the world sees as valuable, but you put it on the altar and say that I want to use this to worship you. This is who we, this is who we are, men. This is who we are. So it's not a condemning message at all. It's an affirmation of who we are. This is what God wants of us. And let me tell you, when this is how we live, just like when the responsibility of the privilege is shirked, the world feels the pain, let me tell you, when we actually take on this responsibility, when we actually live in it, the world has breath in a way that they don't experience anywhere else. 
except for with men of God. That's enough evangelism in and of itself. <laughs> That's enough evangelism in and of itself. I'm not saying you ain't got to tell people about Jesus, but I am saying this. Live like him, and someone will ask you a question about why are you different? I have, there are several dads that are a part of Unison, um, which I, I love. Um, but there is, there is a uniqueness to single parenting that I have oftentimes talked about is, um, it is, it's a beast that I cannot even wrap my head around all the time. So I have to just wrap my like heart and look and pray. <laughs> and there's some single dads that are a part of Unison um, that they live this out so beautifully. And I have told them time and time again, like, yo, you do that single dadding thing like <laughs> nobody has got, like, I praise God for the way in which you dad. Um, and so, Manny, bro, I praise God for the way in which you dad. Uh, honestly, like, I do. Not because those of us who are married and dads and those of us who have raised our children with a, a spouse is any less valuable, but it is more challenging. It just is. My brother-in-law, it's the same scenario. Justin is the same kind of situation here. You live that out well. You make sure that your children know they are valuable and they're not throwaways, which is not always true of men in our culture. I honor you. And those of us men here, period, there are children around us that need us. Period. They don't just need us to coach, even though some of us are really good at coaching sports. They need us to tell, ask them about their grades. Men, they need us to ask them about their relationships. Men, we have women that are a part of our family that are doing single parenting alone with sons who will not have the sex talk. From a male perspective, unless we step in and say, I'm willing to do that. I know that's sticky and that's awkward, but we're family. So it's, family is sticky and awkward. It's not pretty. This isn't your like, this ain't, it doesn't matter. Like even in the fall, when we've relaunched and we got all these sub ministries going, we're still going to be awkward, okay? <laughs> Because we're family. This is not, this isn't like your corporate church. I want us to see our, ourselves not just as fathers or potential fathers of our offspring, but that we see ourselves as 
beings of influence everywhere we go, and that I will represent Christ well to the women and children around me in such a way that they don't honor me just because I'm a man. But they honor and love and respect me because I honor and love and respect them. And so let's pray and then we'll, we'll leave. Father, whoo, you're good. You have made yourself vulnerable first. And you invite us into that same existence. May our hearts be renewed, our minds transformed, and may our behavior follow. Not just that we don't mess up, but that we have intentional steps as men of honoring our, the women around us and the children around us, representing you well to the earth so that you receive glory in our lives. God, for every man who hears this now and will hear it later, I pray your anointing fall upon us, not so that we can boast about being great and big and strong, God, but so that the world may be blessed by our presence because of your presence in us. May the world not fear us or have more anxiety around us because of the ways in which our culture has made maleness scary. But may your spirit shine so brightly through us, God, that we are peace when we walk into a room. Teach us how to nurture as a man nurtures, even if we didn't learn. Holy Spirit, teach us. And give us grace to step in vulnerable positions. Not because it feels good, but because if we are to live like you, we do what you do. You stepped into vulnerable positions and invited us there. And so, God, we take up that mantle and receive your invitation. We surrender our male privilege, not because it's bad, but because it's good. And we want you to be glorified in it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.